Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Do me a favor, let's welcome everybody from from Phoenixville to Montgomeryville. Let's welcome them in Phoenixville. What's up, everybody in Montgomeryville? Good to be with you. If you're joining us online, we're glad to have you with us as well. Hey, we are uh, almost almost done the year. It's 2022. It's coming to an end. Uh, we have one more normal Sunday morning experience, and then we're going to have Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve services. I want to encourage you, uh, don't wait to the last minute to get online and grab those tickets, and don't come to Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve Eve al- alone. And so uh, usually we just have Christmas Eve services. This, this year we're going to do the 23rd and the 24th, uh, two services on each day. The 24th are, are early services, and so if you have plans on Christmas Eve, you can come early and head out. Or if you're traveling and you're planning on leaving on Christmas Eve and you always miss our services, the 23rd is going to be a good option for you as well. Uh, but once the, the seats fill up, uh, we, we have to, we have to we put you to a different service. And so if you are uh, stretched for time and you need, you need to fit that in somewhere, make sure you get online right now and get those tickets. You can get those out on on our website, on our app, anywhere like that. But we are in uh, the middle of our Christmas series that I called A Taste of Heaven. If you weren't here last week, I told you uh, we were going through a book as a staff, and it's about emotional maturity and just working through your ability to be in touch with your emotions. And so, uh, and it's been fun. And, and, uh, but in the middle of the book, they had this video with these guys, people were talking to us and I was reading through what they were saying. And they were talking about how we are supposed to represent Jesus to this world. And, and with other people, we should give them what he, what he called a taste of heaven. And I just loved that phrase. Uh, and I started thinking about Christmas right when he said that. And I was like, man, that's a great title for a Christmas series. That's what Jesus came for. Jesus came to give us a, a taste of heaven. In fact, uh, in the book of Matthew, if you were here last week, I read to you what the angel said. What, what, what did he say? He said, you're going to have a, you're going to marry, you're going to have a baby. Uh, and the baby is going to, you're going to name him Jesus. And people are going to refer to him as Emmanuel, which means God, God with us. That actually you can experience through Jesus and then the Holy Spirit, the presence of a, the real God in your life. It's not something you come and learn about. It's something that actually transforms and can impact your life in a very real way. It can change who you are as a person. And so last week we talked about uh, experiencing a taste of of heaven, uh, of power, like experiencing the power of of God in in your life. When we come into these places, we should want to experience the power of God. Amen. Anybody with, like, if you're going to come to church, you want to meet the Lord here. You want, to, you want to see your friends, you want to sing a good song or two, you may have a hot cup of coffee, but the main reason you come to church, it should be that you want to have an experience with God. The Bible says where two or more are gathered, that he's there. And so you know the real God is going to be here in a powerful way. Uh, next week, I want to end this little three-week series. I'm going to talk to you about joy. How many of you know that uh, some people in our world could use a little bit of joy? Maybe the person sitting to your right or your left, you could use a little bit of joy. And so we're going to talk about the joy of the Lord. The Bible talks a lot about God's joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, right? The joy of the Lord can literally change your life. You can experience 
the, the joy, a taste of heaven, enjoy. Uh, today I want to talk to you on the topic of peace, peace. Uh, it's another one of those words that, I, that Christmas is built around. I want to take you into the Christmas story a little bit today that I think a lot of people lack in their life. I think a lot of people, if you ask them, do they have peace, they would say, no, I'm, I'm, here, here's how you know you don't have peace. You're worried a lot. You have anxiety all the time. Um, we just spoke about fear. You're fearful. You wake up. You wonder if God is, is paying attention to you. You ever think about that? Like you think to yourself, I wonder if this whole thing's real. Like I wonder if there really is a God that's, that's, that loves me, that's paying attention to me, that wants to have a relationship with me, that cares for me. Um, you lack peace. Some of you lack peace in your relationships. You lack peace in your, your finances. You lack peace when it comes to your health. You, you lack peace when you think about your past. You, you lack peace when you think about your, your future. You just struggle with peace. Uh, one of the verses I'll oft, often talk about when I'm giving people an opportunity to uh, experience the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm talking about what the Lord brings into our lives, one of my favorite phrases that I'll say is, the peace that surpasses all understanding. When you experience Jesus, he gives you the ability to experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not something that I've made up, it's something that's biblical, right? And so the Bible says this in Isaiah, Isaiah or Philippians chapter 4, it says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I love that. Transcends is a word that means it, it moves outside of time. Uh, in spite of your circumstance, you can have a peace that is outside of what you're, you're facing. And I love that word. We know that word is applicable. There, there's, there's styles that transcend time and there's styles that should have never came in style. You know what I'm talking about? There's haircuts that transcend time, and then there's haircuts that you look back on, and you go, I probably shouldn't have done that, right? And so there, there, there's, there's food, and there's restaurants that transcend time. They're always good, and there's other restaurants, like, I'm never going back there again. This is what the Bible is trying to say. There's a peace of God. It's different than the peace of this world, because the peace we experience in this world is often connected to what we're going through, what we're facing, our relationship status, what's happening in our life. Do we have good plans or bad plans that day? Peace, right? That doesn't transcend all understanding. There's the peace peace of God that is available through the power of God, through Jesus, that transcends all understanding. So here's what I want to do. I want you to take your phones out for me. And I just told first service, I asked them to do this. And they just looked at me and I said, I can see you right now. You might not think this. I literally can see you right now. So I want you to take your phones out uh, if you're, if you're going to participate. If you don't want to participate, that's on you. And so uh, take your phones out. And I just want you to go to the notes section if you have an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, I don't know where you're going to go, but just go somewhere. And so <laughs> I'm just going to pretend most of you have an iPhone. And so, but if you don't, just take something out. You can take notes on and just write down something that's stealing your peace right now. It's church. Be honest. Could have been your spouse just sitting by you right now. Just cover it up a little bit. Just type my spouse, right? Or just use a code, code word, right? And so uh, it, it could be uh, a financial situation. I've been reading a lot about recession and uh, I think there's a real fear. Oftentimes when you read the news, it's meant to scare you. That's why they do what they do. And so the news is not meant to bring peace. I don't know if you knew that or not. Peace would not be popular. Fear is popular. And so you're reading a lot about recession and you know, thinking about your job and thinking about the economy and thinking about, you own a business. Some of you own a business. You're like, this is the wrong time. Some of you started a business this year. The wrong time. Some of you bought a house at the top of the market and now it's, they're talking about it going down and you're worried you're going to be upside down and your peace is being stolen financially. 
Some of you, it's relationally, like not, not your spouse, maybe, maybe it's a kid uh, that you, 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 you're not in peace with right now. Maybe it's a parent, a sibling. Uh, maybe it's not anybody in your family. Maybe it's a coworker, like tomorrow you have to go see them again and you prayed that something would happen over the weekend and it didn't. And so uh, rapture didn't happen and you, you know, you're going back to work tomorrow and they're still going to be there in peace. Uh, maybe it's uh, something you're ashamed of. Like you did something a long time ago and, uh, or you did it recently and you don't know how to undo what you did. And it's stealing your peace. Like it's, if you just think about it, just, just write, just go ahead and write, write it down. Maybe it's something from your past. Like not, like a long time ago, you just continue to struggle with it. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you just to erase it. Whatever you write, just erase it. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice if you could just do that? Like you just write it down, you're like, okay, I'm done with it, I have peace now. You just name it and you claim it and you get rid of it, right? You just, you're just able to, the, how many of you know that's not how life works though? Like some of you still write and you're like, hold on a second, what'd you say, right? <laughs> we're, we're off of that now, right? It was just an exercise in what you're going through. And so it would be nice if you could just move forward, but get rid of it. But here's what I, peace is not about perfection. Life is not easy. I want, to, I want to make sure, I don't want to ever be one of those pastors that's like, if you just give your heart to the Lord, everything will go good for you. Be fine. In fact, I like to tell people, when you give your heart to the Lord, oftentimes, that's when your peace is going to, you're going to, you're going to be faced with some stuff. Like, it's, you're going to be going away from where Satan had you before, and he had you in a, in a prison, but it felt comfortable. And when you begin to walk away from that, and he sees you beginning to take ground spiritually in your life, all hell will break loose in your life. And so if you started following the Lord and stuff started going bad and you've wondered, has God forgotten about me? No, Satan is just trying to bring you back. Just keep going. Keep declaring the promises of God. Keep taking steps of faith. Keep being obedient in, in your life. Peace is not the absence of conflict, right? Like if I would just have all these things, it's not about perfection or a situation. Listen, peace is only found in the Savior, I want to establish this in your life. Peace is only acquired, it's only, it's only built, it's only sustained, it only happens in your life through an encounter with, with, with Jesus Christ. In fact, it says this in Isaiah 26. Isaiah wrote thousands of years before Jesus, right? Isaiah 26, he says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they do what? They trust you. I want you to notice the foundation of peace. What is it? Do you notice? Trust. Trust. You have trust in your marriage. Guess what you usually have in your marriage? Peace. You have trust in your family dynamics with your kids. Your kids trust you. It often leads to more peace. The reason that you don't have a lot of peace is oftentimes there's not a lot of trust. You have trust in your, in your place that employs you. You have trust in your boss. What, what are you? Peace. The reason so many of us don't have peace in our lives when it comes to God, if we're honest, is we don't trust them. We don't trust that he's good. We don't trust that he's all-knowing. We don't trust that he's sovereign. Some of you, uh, you don't trust that he really likes you and loves you the way I say he does. You're like, not me. You, you don't trust that he has good plans for your life. You don't, you don't trust that relationally he already has the person picked out for you. You don't trust that he'll make a way financially. You don't trust the promises of scripture that God will open up doors that you could never open up. Sometimes he'll close doors that you should have closed for a long time ago that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. 
And when you begin, when you begin to trust God and you get this, this established with the Savior, peace is the natural result of that. So I want to take you into my favorite part of the Christmas story. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a hard time preaching uh, through the Christmas story every year because I feel like if you come every year, you're going to hear the same sermon. But God reminded me of a Christmas fact, right? And the Christmas fact is we are the same people. We are people that watch the same movies every year at Christmas time, and they're always good. <laughs> Who watched Home Alone so far? You know what's, he's going to be forgotten. It's going to be a tarantula. It gives me nightmares all every time, right? You, you know what's going to happen. How many of you have watched the Christmas story yet? Anybody watch Christmas story? Or you are uh, on, a, on Christmas Day Christmas story people. You do it the right way. I already watched it, though. And so, uh, how many of you have watched uh, uh, Miracle on 34th Street? You're old school. Okay, none of you. All right. And so, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. A couple of you. Okay. This is the 10, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 30. Was 9.30 service? Okay. Let me, let me get a little, shoot a little lower, a little bit less spiritual. Okay. Uh, Daddy's Home too. Anybody watch that? Come on. Put your hand up. Daddy's Home 2. Christmas classic. Instant classic. If you have never watched Daddy's Home 2, when I, when I say amen, you get in your car and you go, you have plenty of time before the Eagles game starts and you watch Daddy's Home 2. And we watch the same movies every, every holiday because they reconnect us with the holiday spirit. It doesn't matter. So sometimes we need to go back in, we need to listen, and we need to read, and we need to be encouraged by the same thing that we read the year before. And so when I'm thinking about peace and trust, I'm always going to go to what, what is my, who, my favorite character in, in the Christmas story outside of Jesus, right? Jesus is my favorite character. But outside of Jesus is the people that I want to talk to you about today. It's such a profound moment in not only the, 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 the Christmas story, but in the Bible in, in, in general. Here's what the scripture lets us know in the book of Luke chapter 2. The Bible says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Here's what I want you to, want you to understand about the shepherds. And I'm going to preach a little slower because I want to do something at the end of service that I think is going to be important. And so I'm a little faster, not a little slower, sorry. I'll move a little faster. And so, but I want you to, I want you to understand the, the shepherds. So if I just talked about you and trust and all these things, all those things that you don't have peace, the, these guys would have understood that. Everything I just talked about not trusting God, they would have struggled immensely with. And I'm going to explain to you why. Uh, but this is, this is a profound part. It's, if you grew up in church, it's, these aren't just cute people that got to play in the part. They didn't get the main play, you know, parts in the Christmas cantata or whatever it was, but they got the shepherd part. It, there's something more significant to what's happening here that if you're struggling with trust and with peace, and it, it's going to be profound for you. The Bible says that they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, they were terrified. They were afraid, like many of us would be. Uh, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I'm going to bring you good news. Uh, that's going to cause you great joy for all people. So some of you are afraid to be here today. Let's just be honest. You're like, I don't know why I'm in church. Somebody tricked me. I got here. It's really weird. I've never been in church like this before. It's dark. You know, what's going on? And then you start to think about there's a God and you're getting afraid. And this is, this is, this is what's happening to the shepherds. They're like, God shows up, but God doesn't usually show up to people like us, and, and then we started thinking about our life and where we've been and the things we've done, and if God's here, like, we, we, we probably shouldn't be here, the Bible says, but, but the angel says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You're going to find him in, in, in cloth, wrapped in cloth, 
lying in a manger. They're going to wrap them in grave cloths because they don't have anything there because they were in a hurry. And they're not going to have anywhere better to put him than in the trough where the animals eat out of. But you think about that concept. The savior of the world, not born in a kingdom, not announced. I've been going through the Harry and Meghan thing and getting all engaged and all this royal stuff. The king of kings and the Lord of lords is not announced globally. No, no. He is born wrapped in cloth, laid in a, in a manger. And I want you to notice the very first people that get told about this happening is the shepherds. This is profound. The Bible says, uh, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising and saying, saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to whom his favor rests. That's an important statement. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now, you ever been invited somewhere and expected there to be more people than, that, than were there? How awkward was this? You show up and you're like, where's all the important people? Where's the big deal? And, and there, there's a really deep message, neat message in this, in this. Who, when you have a baby, the people that you typically tell first are the most what? Important. So like we, we've been having babies in this church left and right, like just left and every day. It's like, who had a baby, right? Like, uh, and so yesterday, two people in our church had a baby on the same day in the same hospital across the hall from each other. <laughs> really cool. And uh, both of them are people that, are, that I would consider friends and I'm, and I'm close with. One of them I've known for years. One of them is having their fourth kid. One of them's having their first kid. It's, 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 it's really neat. One of them had a girl. One of them had a boy. They had him on the same day. I'm like, hey, it'd be really cool if you guys would just you betroth them. Like, just set that up. What a story. Yeah, we were born at the same hospital on the same day. We got the same birthday. And it was just well, across the hall. Our dads came out and we exchanged goats. And now we're getting married, right? Like, and to both of them, both of them, because I'm close to them, they, they texted, they, I know they texted other people too, but in my, they texted pictures to me and other people of, of the baby. But when they texted me, the message was, we like you, you're important to us. If they didn't like me and I wasn't important to them and they didn't care, we weren't, they aren't sending me pictures on the first day of birth, right, of their baby. But because we're close, they want to they announce to me and tell me, hey, we had, we had a baby. Here's the name. Here much, here's how much they weighed. Here's pictures of the baby. And what am I doing? This is so beautiful. There's, this, is a, this is an amazing message in the Christmas story. The very first people that God goes to to tell them that the Son of God, the Savior of the world is being born is the lowly shepherds. So some of you have been wondering, is there a God that loves me, cares about me? Is there a God that can be in relationship with me? Is there a God that I'm good enough with? Is there a God that can bring peace to my life? You go back to the story in scripture and you're reminded if he can come reach the shepherds, he can also reach, he can also reach me. And I just want to give you a few thoughts and I want to do these quickly because I want to go back into a time of worship at the end at both of our campuses. But I want to talk to you about what Jesus would have accomplished in this moment. What would have changed in their life? Where their struggles would have been when it came to peace and how Jesus would have kind of transformed them. The, the first thought I had is this, is in this moment, Jesus would begin to bring peace with their perspective. Their perspective. What's, their, what's a perspective? Perspective is how you see things. 
how, how you define things. I don't know if you knew this, know this or not. You, can, you and somebody else can go through the same experience yet have different perspectives. You, you can face something similar. You can, and you can have different perspectives. And here's the important part of your perspective. Your perspective often determines your, your, your reality. And so when the Bible talks about how Jesus comes to the shepherds first, even as I'm telling you that, that's hard for you if you're not part of that culture. Like, let me just, a hundred years after Jesus came and they told this story, they read through scripture and they said, here's what happened on the night of Christ. Their culture would have appreciated it. 200 years. Here we would have got it. Here we are over 2,000 years later. And we're going, okay, he saw the shepherds first. Like it would have have got lost on us. Like there's things, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's things that older people do that are lost on younger people, right? And you ever Google, like I was like, how do you know you're old, right? How do you know that you by definition are old? Is it an age? And what they say is there's, you get to the point where you do things that the younger generation just doesn't understand anymore. Like let me just give you a couple and you can decide for yourself. I'm not calling you old, but you can decide for yourself if you are old. Here's, here's, younger people don't understand the fact that older people leave voicemails. Like, it's not like younger people go, I, do, I, I leave, so, so I'm old, right? Like, uh, younger people don't understand, but if you, if you're, if you're younger, oftentimes you look at older people and we, they don't understand, I don't say we, but you don't understand why we still use Facebook. You're like, only old people use Facebook, right? They don't understand that. They don't understand why, why older people sometimes ignore their GPS. If you're older, you know why you ignore your GPS, because you're trying to hold on to power still, right? I'm not going to let a robot control me. Younger people are like, just tell me where to go, right? If you check your mailbox more than you check your email, you're old. I'm just telling you, right? They say, if you have a landline in your house, you, you're old, right? Like, it's just, it's just the way that, that it is. If you write in cursive, you remember, I remember in fourth and fifth grade, I spent two grades learning how to write in cursive as if we were going to write the Declaration of the Independence again. If you write in cursive, younger people are like, what are you doing, right? Like, what are you, what are you doing? If you carry around hard candy in your pocketbook or your bag, <laughs> you're old, right? Like, it ain't, worthers are out of style, baby, right? Like, there's things that the Bible says that if you're, if you're, if you're too far removed, you won't understand. But the early lead, the early readers, they would have got, like, I can't believe the very first people that Jesus went to were the shepherds. And here's what would happen to the shepherds. The shepherds, it would have completely shifted the way that they saw their life. Let me just give you three things that they would have struggled with in their perspective. First thing is they would have felt extremely unworthy in their life. They would have been extremely unworthy. They were taught from a very young age, you're not good enough for God. I mean, that, that is a message that they heard loud and clear. You're not good enough for God. You're not good enough for church. You're not good enough for community. You're not good enough for a home group. You can't serve on Sunday. You're not, you're not good enough. They would have lived with an extremely unworthy um, mindset, perspective. They would have felt ridiculously inadequate in their life. Here's, here's what you, knew, you, can, you would know about shepherds, and you won't probably understand this, uh, because to us it's just a job. But to that culture, shepherds were the least educated men on the planet. This is, they were the dumbest people. They, they, they were, they were, people would look at them, and they were just, you're, you're, you're just dumb, so you, you're just going to be a, 
a shepherd. You're, there's, there's nothing of value in your life. And another thing they would have struggled with in their perspective is they would have felt unloved. In fact, uh, one of the common teachings of, 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 of history, if you study shepherds, is uh, if you were a shepherd, no dad would want their daughter to marry you. So they, you know, Christmas wasn't around then, but could you imagine if, you know, years later they were celebrating Christmas and here are, are the shepherds and everybody's celebrating with their family. They have wives, they got kids, and here's these shepherds. They have nothing. They're unloved, they're unworthy, they're inadequate. This is their perspective. They would look at themselves and they would see nothing. Their reflection would be worthless. Their, uh, their, their job was, was menial. They, they, they would struggle with their perspective. But the Bible says that the angel comes and says, peace to those on whom his, I love this word, his favor rest. In other words, something would have changed. They would have realized that I can have peace in my life because there's a God in the midst of my job and my unworthiness and, and my inadequacy that out on this hill as I'm watching sheep in the middle of the night sees me. I love that thought. In the middle of my life, in the middle of what I'm going through, in the middle of my wandering, in the middle of my mistakes, there's a God that is so loving that his eyes, his affection, his attention, his detail is focused on my life. And it changes your perspective. You start to see that God sees you. You, you, you start to trust that he's in control of, of, of your life. In fact, I love what Jesus said when he came in one of his most popular sermons in Matthew chapter 10. He's trying to remind people just like the shepherds and just like me and just like you that you can trust God, uh, that, that you're loved. And here's how he explains it. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. He says this then, he says, and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. I love this, right? On your head, if you're bald, in your ears, in your nose, wherever they're at, right? Every hair that you have, I don't want to isolate some people in here. Every hair that you have on your body is numbered. So what does he say? So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. He says, hey, the most insignificant, valueless birds at that time. Not one of them falls to the planet without me seeing them. And you are much more valuable than, than them. Change your perspective, right? You think that I don't see you, but the shepherds would have been convinced. There's a God whose eyes are on me. Another thing that would have happened, and they would have had peace with their people. Now, here, here's, here's what have, here would have been the real struggle. I just want to hit these last two points quickly. Uh, the struggle for shepherds is they would have had, if you study them, they would have had serious daddy issues. Serious daddy issues. And here's how we know this. Um, if you had sons and you needed one of them to be a shepherd, you would make your last born son the shepherd because you would assume that he would be the most insignificant because he was the last one. In fact, sometimes you would just have one more, right? Because you needed somebody to be a shepherd and you liked all of your sons up to that point. You're like, let's just have one more. If you didn't have any sons that you despised, you would often hire a servant or a slave and make them a shepherd. It was a position that nobody wanted. We know this is true because if you go into the book of 1 Samuel, we can see this interaction between a man named David uh, and his father, Jesse, and the prophet Samuel. You can read about it if you want. But the prophet shows up at Jesse's house. He says, hey, one of your sons is going to be king. And so Jesse goes through his sons. He has seven of them. He doesn't even go get the seventh one because he's out in the field and he's a shepherd. They go through all the sons. None of them are, are going to be king. You know, the, Samuel keeps asking the Lord, no, he's not king. No, he's not king. No, he's not king. So Samuel says, Jesse, do you have another son? To which Jesse says, I do, but he's the runt. 
He's a nobody. So they bring him in off the field because he's just a shepherd. Now, we don't read the Bible slow enough to even think about that, but I just want you to, to comprehend. Have you ever in your life been part of a family unit where they forgot to invite you to something that's really important and felt offended? They had a birthday party. We're like, yeah, you're not invited. We forgot. We wanted to, but we didn't have room. This is the most famous man in the world at that point. The prophet Samuel is at your house, and you don't go get your seventh son. You leave him out in the field. So if you just think of that in context, right, because that doesn't change. That culture is being created through generation to generation. I want you to think about how much of a struggle that, that, that the shepherds would have had in their position in their family. They would have felt extremely unloved as people, and they would have had a lot of a lack of peace with their family members. Now, I, I want to encourage you. When, when Jesus comes into his into the life, I think they change even the way that they relate to, to their family. Here's some things that happen in your life when you experience the peace of God. And this is important. Uh, I want you to understand when you trust the Lord, trust builds peace, that you can start to look at your family no matter how good or bad that they were and realize that God knew who your family was going to be before the foundations of the world and he didn't put you in that family by accident. That's supposed to be relieving. He doesn't put you in situations to take something from you, oftentimes he allows you to go through something to make something of you. Some of the deepest wounds and hurts that you have when the peace of God comes into your life, you begin to see that God uses the, the worst moments of our life for our good, ultimately for his glory. That he produces things in your life that you could have never had produced had you not gone through the personal pressures and pain that you went through in your life at that point. And you begin to walk in peace. God, I'm not sure why you gave me this crazy family. And I'm not sure why I suffered like this. And I'm not sure why I felt left down or let down like that. But God, I believe in your goodness. And I believe in your sovereignty. And I believe I can trust your plan. And nothing comes into my life that you didn't allow. And all of a sudden, he, changed, he gives you peace with your, some of you are like, God, if you would just give me a different family, right? But we're going to go back to point number two. Not a different family. God, give me a different what? Perspective. Let me, let me mature in my understanding of who that you are. And let me just give you the third area that they would, have, they would experience peace in in this moment. Peace with what I would call their problems. Peace with their problems. Here's, here's one of the greatest messages shepherds would have heard their whole life. Uh, I told you, uh, they would have said, you're not good enough for God. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but once you get told something long enough, a lie uh, believed as truth will begin to affect you as if it's true. And oftentimes we'll begin to live our life to the lies that we believe. This, this is how we live. Like you, somebody's spoken something over you, you believe the lie, and you live your life at that level. So shepherds, because they felt unloved, because they felt inadequate, because they felt left out, because they lived their probably their life in anger and resentment, oftentimes they would take on the personality of a thief. And they would begin to just do things that, you know, they're shepherds. There's nothing expected of them. So they were thieves. They used to, they used to steal things. They used to, you know, break laws. In fact, uh, if there was a crime committed and a shepherd was the only one that saw it, he was the witness, they would never even listen to the shepherd because nobody trusted him. So in that context, when God meets them on a hill, you think he meets them in a and, and a valuable, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing. They're, they're living the right way. Like he doesn't meet, he meets them in, in filth. 
They're, they're scoundrels. They're, 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 they're bad guys. They, they, they've, they've allowed what's happened to them to define them. They're living at the level of what's been said to them. And so when God meets them, he meets them in a moment where they're carrying around a lot of stuff, which is why they're so afraid. They weren't allowed to go to church. They weren't allowed to be around church people. They weren't allowed to practice religion. They weren't good enough for God. If they're not good enough for God, they're just going to do them. And God shows up in that moment. And uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in the presence of God when you don't want him getting into your business? Because you messed up and you're like, if God shows up, I know the the routine. He's going to see what I've done. And uh, I think God shows up and they're afraid. Like God's here. He's going to see how we are. Is he here, here, here to hurt us? And the Bible says, what? My peace rests on you. My favor rests on you. And I think they would have struggled a lot with how we struggle. When you show up to, to church and uh, the preacher or the worship leader will say, hey, you don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to carry around the weight of your life. You, you, you don't have to. to you, you can live your life in freedom. You, you can live your life in grace. But we still, even when we hear that, internalize it, and we struggle with lies from, from Satan. Like, let me give you a couple lies maybe you struggle with in your life that I think you can find freedom from today. Like, here, here's one lie. Uh, God wants me to dwell on my sin. He, he, he likes it when, I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when, I, when I beat myself up. Now, the Bible says that God loves a humble and contrite spirit. What he doesn't ask you to do is to humiliate yourself. I don't know if you've read the Gospels or not, but the Bible says that Jesus went to the cross and took on the humiliation that we would have faced so that we could be right with God. So he's not asking you to dwell on your sin and carry it around and, you know, just suffer from it and just think about it all, all, all the time. Another lie that we all, often think is I think God, okay, God, I'll get right with you. God wants me to repay it, though. So I'm going to repay it. I don't know what it looks like. I'm going to repay it. And listen, it makes for a great Hollywood movie. I don't know if you ever saw Seven Pounds, but it's not biblical. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in this place because it's Will Smith and I don't know if he got canceled or not. I don't know what we're doing now. But the truth is I can't stand that culture. The Bible is clear that we don't, we're not supposed to think about the speck in our brother's eye while we're carrying around a plank in our own eye. That we should be living in grace. That we're not called to talk about the mistakes that we made years and years and years ago. That when Jesus forgives us, what does he do? He forgives us as far as the east is from the west. He's the only one canceling out things. He's canceling out death, sin, and hell. I'm only up here because of the grace of God. And he wants me to pay my debt off. Here's another one. Some of you type A, you're like, nah, he's good. He, He wants me to be perfect. I am pretty perfect if I'm honest with myself. And I'm just going to strive for perfection. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but uh, the more you strive for perfection, the more awful you get. He wants me to be perfect. He wants me to pay it off. He wants me to be really sorry. God God wants me to do these things. I started thinking about this in the context of of parenting. And uh, parenting is an interesting thing because you have these little beings in your house that grow. And uh, they're bad. They just, like, kids, they're just, we just, like, I laugh uh, because I read the Bible and I'm like, kids are just like the Israelites in the, New Test- in the Old Testament. You're like, what's wrong with you? They're kids. They have a hard time trusting God and the goodness of God. And so kids, they're just, they just, they just, they just struggle with doing the right thing. And they just, you got to tell them a million times. But one of the beauty, beautiful things of a parent and a kid relationship is this uh, ability to lay your head on the pillow at night in a, in a house where 
you know, it's going the way it's supposed to go and you wake up and you don't think to yourself the next day, I wonder if mom and dad still love me. I might have broke something, dropped something, ate something, snuck something, did something, right? Because they're always doing something. But they don't wake up the next day and go, did I do enough somethings so that they're not going to be, they just assume you still like them, right? Okay, you remember that? It's a great feeling. It's a Christmas miracle. I get up, my parents just like me. And it's such a beautiful, beautifully freeing uh, attribute of being a kid. And then we get older and we, we, just, we just stop living like that. And we start living by rules and by, 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 by agendas and did I do enough? But there's this beautiful peace in your life built on this trust that God's never going to turn his back on you. That he, he, once you come into relationship with Jesus, that he has saved you. He's forgiven you. He's healing you. He's making you whole. You can't let him down because you weren't ever holding him up in the first place. Like you just wake up and you realize that his mercies are new every day for you. That he's faithful when you're often faithless. And let me tell you something. That's where peace comes from. Peace with, with, with God. Peace with your perspective. Peace with your problems. You realize that Jesus has forgiven me. That Jesus has given me grace. It's not by works. I'm not allowed to boast by this. It's, it's by faith and faith alone. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Man, when that happens, peace comes in. And I, I just, when I start thinking about you and uh, your life, and I started thinking about me. It was funny I was, that people were asking me about construction and I'm just not a very peaceful person if I'm honest like I just I don't like to wade and I don't like to you know wade and I don't like to wade and I, and this and they're like talking me out there and I'm like hey I gotta go in and preach on peace they're like hey you sure you should do that right now because it feels like you should stop and pray right and I just want to step like there's just something I, that, that song we, we sang at the end I know it's new for you but it, I've been listening to hardcore for probably two months like I just can't stop listening to that song about how fear is not my future. You are. And I, I, love, I, love, I love when it says, hello, peace, hello. I don't even know the words because I just listened to it, right? Hello, joy. Hello, love. Like, it, it, what it, what it's, it's proclaiming. It's not a wish. Oh, I'm rubbing the bottle. Okay, okay, genie come out. It's standing on the promises of God that I, I'm, a, I'm a person of peace. I'm a person filled with love. I'm a person that has joy. I'm a person that's walking in the goodness of God. And so when we were singing that song, and I was looking at you guys worshiping, and I just thought to myself, we're not done with worship yet. I thought, we need to sing it one more time before we go. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, Sometimes we pray at the end, and you close your eyes, and you check out. But I'm going to ask you to stand in a second. And I I just want you to have a, remember last, last week I told you about the power of God? I'm going to pray that the power of God moves. Some of you, you've grown up in kind of different churches where you don't know if you're allowed to raise your hands and you don't know if you're allowed to be a fool, you know, make a, you don't know if you're allowed to have a good time in the presence of God. We're a Pentecostal church. That means we're going to take the seatbelts off of our comfortable spirituality and we're just going to seek the presence of God. Because he's the only one that can give you peace. It's only him. The name of Jesus, the name above all names, the, 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 the one who called the shepherds, the, the, the one who comes into the dirtiest parts of our lives, that's that Jesus. And, and the Bible says when you worship, that he shows up. And when he shows up, listen, there's nothing better. 
There's nothing better than the presence of God in this place. And so I want you to just stand up one more time for me. In Montgomeryville, I want you to stand up. And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to think about what's, what's taking your peace right now. I want you to think about what's taking your peace all over this place. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Uh, and I want you just in this moment, uh, if you know Christ, I just want you to tell him uh, you're the one who brings peace. Uh, you're the one who brings joy. You're the one who, uh, you're the one who's here right now. And when we start worshiping in a second here, I want you to worship like you never have. I want you to worship like you never have. Maybe, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's lifting your hands. I don't want to manipulate you, but there's, there's something that happens when you lift your hands. It's a, it's a moment of surrender. It's a, the universal sign that you need help. You can't bring peace to yourself. You need the, you need the, you need the help of the Lord. So maybe you lift your hands. Maybe, maybe, maybe when we do worship, maybe you never close your eyes because you're afraid, you know, of what, you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you just close your eyes. You start there. Maybe, maybe you're a coffee holder. You know what I'm talking about? You go somewhere, you have something in your hand. Maybe you just put, you just get rid of everything in your hand and you just turn your hands openly towards heaven and you say, spirit of the living God, would you fill me up? I don't know what it is, uh, but some of you have never experienced the presence of God. I just want you to understand, we don't sing in the beginning because that's what the Bible says to do. Sing a couple songs, get everybody in here, get them, get them quiet, then we preach. We sing because the Bible commands us to lift up our voices to the Lord, to, to make a joyful noise. That's, that's what it The Bible talks about how he deserves our honor, our praise, our adoration. And when you sing the words we're about to sing over yourself, you're singing truth. And the Bible says the truth has the ability to set you free. Some of you need that. You need freedom. You need the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And so before we do that, though, if you're in this place, with every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, no agenda, no, nothing tricky, but you don't know Christ, you need to. You need to experience his goodness, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. When I talk about peace, you have none. Something from your past is messing you up. Uh, your family, you have so much resentment. You struggle with bitterness. The Bible talks about how bitterness grows deep roots in your lives. It's causing you to be angry. It's causing you to live with resentment. Your perspective, you wake up every day and you just expect things to be awful. You expect things to fall apart. Uh, you're convinced that there's not a God out there that loves you, that, that he doesn't care about you, that if he cared about you, nothing bad would happen. But you heard me say, now listen, sometimes life is difficult. The Bible says in the word of God that Jesus said, he said, take heart. I've overcome the world, but doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles. You need me. Everything you've ever been searching for, everything you've ever needed, every struggle you've ever had, every heartbreak you've ever gone through, what you needed was Jesus. He's a provider. He's a sustainer. He's the one that gives grace. He's the one that gives forgiveness. He's the one that came as a baby. He's the one that was placed on a cross, not against his will, but the Bible says he willingly laid his life down for you. He's the one who shed his blood for the atonement of your sins. He's the one who was put in a grave and three days later he rose in power. He's the one a few month, weeks later that he ascended to the right hand of God and he intercedes by you to come home. And he's the righteous warrior that is soon coming. And he'll meet you right here. He's the most powerful name the most powerful being the savior he's here right now and he'll meet you if you let him he'll save you if you let him he'll heal you if you let him he'll forgive you if you let him but the bible says you got to ask 
Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Heal me. Make me whole. Maybe you don't know Christ, but you need to all over this place. You have no peace, but you want to leave this place meeting Jesus, the one who brings the peace that surpasses all understanding all over this place. If that's you, and in Montgomeryville, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven in faith and say, hey, that's me. I need the peace of God. I need the hope of God. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? I need the peace of God. Another hand right here. Another hand right here. Come on, I need the peace of God. Anybody else in Montgomeryville, I need the peace of God in my life. I need healing. I need to be whole. Would you pray with me all over this place? Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for coming to this earth for people like me. Jesus, I believe in you. Would you save me? Would you heal me? Would you transform me? Jesus, forgive me. I believe it's in you that I'm becoming a brand new person. Jesus, thank you for what you did here today. In your name we pray. All over this place, let's shout amen together. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.